The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. First down. Hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. Now, your hosts, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, Danny Sarek, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a whole new edition of Talking Cowboys from our virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios. It's the week after the draft as the 2020 NFL Draft is in the rearview mirror. We're moving forward toward the 2020 summer and potentially the season later on. Still a lot of question marks in the air, but we're excited about the draft class that the Cowboys came out with. Kyle Yeomans, Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips. Isaiah Stanback here for Talking Cowboys. So glad you're joining us and hope you're still staying staying safe out there as well. But guys, like I mentioned, draft in the rearview mirror and goodness gracious, the Cowboys came out with a bit of a haul. And by a bit of a haul, I mean an absolute beatdown of a haul, snagging seven players, all of which you could really argue would be at, at the top of their board. And not only... Was it up at the top of their board, but up at the top of a lot of experts' boards? And, Rob, I know you've been around the draft for quite some time now. Have you remembered a draft at least immediately right after that we were as excited about than this one? I think Jerry Jones said it best. You know, 2005 to me was the last time you really thought, wow, this could be a, a, a game-changing type draft. And they've had good ones in the past, no question about it. Will McClay has done an outstanding job in this scouting department with the Joneses. But I thought going into this draft, the 2005, could, this could be the first one since 05 that was so defensive-minded. Now, they got four defensive players out of seven, so not, not as much. But the value they got back then with D. Ware, Spears, Chris Canny and Jay Ratliff, Marion Barber were steals on what would have been day three back then. The Cowboys did hit a home run here based on everything you know about this year's overall draft class. And if, if, if they're doing it right, then they absolutely hit a home run because of the value that they think they got. I mean, like you said, Kyle, it was just pick after pick after pick where they felt like they got tremendous value. And the other thing that stands out to me is all seven picks – I think have an opportunity to have clear defined roles that they can go earn. And on a team that's got a lot of talent, that's impressive to me. And that's the thing with a draft is normally whenever you get into day three, you're you're looking to, to add depth, but you're also just looking for players that are going to make the roster. And out of the four of us on the show, only one player is made, and in a, or one of us has made an NFL roster, and that's Isaiah Stanback. But do you agree with Rob and the fact that, uh, that there's all seven of these guys on the list not only have a chance to make a roster, but have a chance to have a role in doing so as well? Absolutely. I think that all these guys are going to be able to contribute immediately. Uh, and, you know, as, as Rob said, you know, these, they, they, they stole. You know, if we were on the playground right now, this is what this is equivalent to baby bounces. You know what I'm saying? You get to take this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you put this thing on the second deck. Uh, you know, <laughs> those guys absolutely killed it uh, this past weekend. You know, I think we, uh, we touched on it last week. You know, we all felt that McCarthy had did his homework. You know, him and his crew did his homework. And you add that with Will and the rest of the crew. And this was an absolute home run. Um, I'm, I'm proud of these guys. I'm excited for all these young guys to be able to get in there. And, you know, none of them have pressure. 
That's that's the that's the other thing about this, right? These guys were awesome picks, right? The the management took care of business, but these guys get to come in and play free. So you, you're going to have that separation between college to the pro, that transition, but they don't have to do it with the pressure of having to be the guy. They have guys that are established there already. They have a support system. They have great coaching. They, they get to come out here and just be free, and you, you're going to see a lot more resemblance to what they did in college than what you typically would on this transition. And I feel like that's kind of one of those big plus sides to what the Cowboys did in free agency to kind of set themselves up for success whenever it came to drafting the best player available whenever you needed to. You you added depth at the defensive line. You added depth in the secondary. So that way, whenever draft day came around, they weren't necessarily pulled in both directions because they had an opportunity to go with need with Caleb on chase on at 17. And instead, they went with best player available and C.D. Lamb. But heck, I know the cohesion and the unit between Will McClay, the scouting department, and then you add both the coaching staff and also the front office, all three of those together, it was really in one unison voice whenever draft day came around Thursday and it continued throughout the weekend. Yeah, this, these are the kind of drafts that the Cowboys can have year after year that is going to build a championship foundation. I mean, what else can you say about Will McClay? I mean, his ears have been buzzing all week with all the good things that people have been saying about him in Cowboy Nation because, again, he put together one of the more solid draft picks uh, that we've had in a while. And like you, like Rob stated, I mean, since 05, where you go position by position and you can say, hey, this guy can make a contribution uh, to this team immediately. And going into the draft, we knew exactly what we needed. We knew we needed an edge. We knew we needed a cornerback. And once it got to 16 and you hit 17 and you realize the decision that had to be made between CeeDee Lamb and the man-child Caleb Von Chason, I just believe that it was an, that was an easy one. And Rob is shoved it down my throat best player available so I understood I understood at that point that look I knew exactly what we we're going to do because C.D. Lamb is man I can't wait to go into talking about this guy I'm not going to shoot all my bullets right now but I'm telling you I'm excited about what we did on draft it's been so hard to wait until today to talk to you guys BPA, baby. BPA. And <laughs> thank goodness Rob Phillips is the voice of reason on this show. Uh, yes. we all, we, God knows we need it. Now, let's go pick by pick. I, I know you're excited and you're chomping at the bit, so I'll go right back to you, Hackman, here, here in just a minute. But let's start with C.D. Lamb. First round, pick 17. The, the ultimate goal was to be, pick the best player available. You really wanted Caleb on chase on the fall. That was the player you had your eye on. Yes, that was exactly who you wanted to fall to you. However, then you have CeeDee Lamb, who's by far the best receiver in the draft, or at least as you could herald as the best receiver in the draft. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy went prior to CeeDee Lamb, but that was something that I don't think uh, anybody expected, really, other than the teams that might have drafted them. So the fact that CeeDee Lamb falls, he was the number six player on the Cowboys board. He was number six on my board as well, just so happened to be that way, but Moving on, you're you're getting these picks, you're falling down the line, and all of a sudden he's sitting there in your lap at 17. They make the selection, and they add a wide receiver to this already stacked wide receiving core with Amari Cooper, with Michael Gallup. Isaiah, there, you, you kind of went into this a moment ago talking about how there's not a ton of pressure on these guys because of, or especially on CD Lamb because of the fact that they have some guys around them but what's the transition going to be like for a professional receiver CD Lamb going into a situation like this Yeah I think he's going to have a relatively smooth transition I think he is going to have to 
really dive into the play, but really dive into film studies, right? I'm not sure how much film study he did in college. I know he's coming from a great program, but once you make that transition to and that jump to the league, your slot receiver, those guys are smart. They have to be smart because they have to be able to adjust what all the different zone blitzes. They have to be able to be the hot routes. They have to be that that safety net for your quarterback. So they don't they don't have as uh, as lax of a position as the outside receivers do because they are that emergency guy uh, next to the tight end. A lot of times, but they're bringing pressure the tight end has to sit in there and block right so who's the next option somebody in there that's going to be shifty against those dropping linemen dropping linebackers or those safeties that are rolling down so he's going to have to be able to identify those things when it comes to coverages but if he can pick that up we already know what he can do when he has the ball in his hands that's not going to be an issue at all i think eric all the cowboy nation is super excited about seeing him get get that rock in his hand um, with the ability to be one-on-one right he's not going to have two people on him all the time. He can't, right? If you put two people on him, the outside guy's gonna kill you. If you guys wanna sit back and play off coverage, then we got this dude in the backfield who just happens to know how to tote the rock. So yep. it's gonna be a problem when, when that whole offense gets rolling, but that'd be my tip to him. He needs to really get in there and watch some film and pick up on these crazy defensive coordinator schemes. Heckma? Well, look, man, I, I'm really excited about C.D. Lamb. Like you said, man, there's no way I thought that we were going to have an opportunity to pick him up. I mean, it's almost like the pretty girl in high school that you know you have no chance of dating. You know, someone asks you about it. You tell, oh, she's all right. You know, because you, you have no chance. I just I never thought that we would get this opportunity. And once he fell to us, you realize that as a player, he makes us 10 times better on offense, but he makes us 10 times better on defense as well. And I explain it this way. When you get to those second and eights and you can run the ball and get a first down, look, that changes the complexity of the game. It changes pace, field position, ball control, all of those things we're going to be able to do with that threat at the X and the slot. And if you're in the wide receiver meeting room, no one cares. I mean, I'm sure Cooper and Gallup, they don't care who's the X, who's the slot. All of these guys are going to contribute on offense. But what happens now is that defensive coordinators are not able to pinpoint one guy that they can stop. That's safety in the box it's over with. If you bring a safety, we'll burn you down if you bring a safety in the box to, to try and stop uh, Zeke. And look, for every defensive coordinator in the league, their number one objective is to stop the run. But now, Dak Prescott has a embarrassment of riches as far as the talent at wide receiver and also in the backfield. And I'm just excited about what this offense is going to do uh, going forward with C.D. Lamb because the big playability from every position is going to be there. You're right, Heck. I mean, you take a linebacker off the field, that's, that's like a playground for Zeke. I mean, <laughs> let, let, him, let him run wild, let him eat. And Isaiah made a great point about the, the importance of the slot receiver. Think about what Cole Beasley was for Dak Prescott for his first couple years in the league. And then, you know, you know Mike McCarthy would have liked to have Randall Cobb back just because of his history, yes. how, how smart a player he is. Obviously, the price wasn't there, and he's, he's off to Houston. Right. But, but CeeDee Lamb could be that that safety blanket eventually for, for Dak Prescott. Sure. Uh, the other thing I, I noticed watching him at OU, he's a buck 95. He's not a big wide receiver, but he's a tough wide receiver. The guy can yes, go up is. and make, make tough contested catches. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a dangerous run after the catch guy, but also can break tackles. I mean, he plays, he plays above his weight class, and he's just a really impressive prospect. I said, you know, BPA is, is definitely important, best player available, but there was a need there. And when you can, right. you can factor in the fact that, you know, a top six player on your board, that means that you think that guy could be a perennial Pro Bowl type guy. They had to do it, and, and it, was, it was really a no-brainer and, and good decision by this team. 
Rob, that's, that's, that's absolutely correct. Kyle, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's absolutely correct. And you talk about a guy with slight build. He's always making the first guy miss. But also, when you try and arm tackle C.D. Lamb and you look at the highlight tape, all he's doing is running through those, those arm tackles and guys trying to gang tackle him. He's running away from him. So 195, he plays like he's 220. <laughs> He's, he was second in the country in missed tackles forced, which was 26 missed tackles forced. I, I feel like half of those came in the Texas game at the Red River Rivalry. The <laughs> yeah, because right, it, it right. seemed like everybody that tried to tackle him that day was was not having any luck. He was 12th in the country in deep yards, 5th in yards after the catch. And he's also a hell of a blocker, too. There, there's really no, no real hole to his game. He's got a great catch radius. He's got the speed. Maybe, like Rob said, maybe you could knock the size a little bit, but you put him in an NFL strength and conditioning program, you could bump that up 10 or 15 pounds, and you're doing just fine. So I'm not totally worried about that. I think it was a miraculous pick. Now, going back to the, the defensive side of the ball, and they were able to address two spots of, of crucial need in the second and in the third round, Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, taken in the second round, 51st overall. Then Neville Gallimore, the defensive tackle, third round, 82nd overall out of Oklahoma. Rob, when it comes to Trayvon Diggs, what kind of rotation are we going to see with the cornerbacks that were already added to the roster? I know Maurice Kennedy came in in the offseason. Then you have guys like Jordan Lewis, Chidobe Awuzie, Anthony Brown. They've got some guys in the cornerback spot, but then you go out and you add a second-round talent that a lot of people might have had in the first. Yeah, you're right, Kyle. I mean, I, I, was, a little, I was very surprised, not a little surprised that he was there at 51. I think a lot of people thought – early second round, you know, early 30s, if not in the first round, sneaking in the back there. Um, it's great competition. It, it, and Isaiah can speak to this, I'm sure, it, it, that you can never have enough competition at every position. And they've got – I mean, I, I don't know if we've talked enough about the Cowboys having some veterans returning. I think Anthony Brown mm-hmm. coming back is big. The guy's basically been a starter for this team when he's been healthy. He's played a lot of uh, nickel corner and has started some. Yeah. Jordan Lewis takes advantage of his opportunities when he's in there. Cheeto is a terrific talent. Um, Mike McCarthy alluded to some of the corners being able to play safety. We'll see if maybe they try guys at a different spot. But uh, I, Trayvon's got a, a chance to come in and compete right away for playing time, if not a starting role. I just love the size and the length yeah. because you know the wide receivers in this league, they get bigger, they get faster, they get stronger, and – He's got the arm length and just everything measurable standpoint to be one of those press-type corners that we've seen the past Cowboys regime on defense really like. Chris Richard and apparently Al Harris, the new secondary coach, likes that type of corner too. Isaiah? I agree with you, I agree with you Rob, man. I, mean, I think one of the things that you touched on that I want to emphasize is his, his, how lanky he is. Right when you're as as a professional receiver, the last thing you want to go against is a lanky cornerback. It sucks. I can tell you that right now. I faced against you know Re- Revis with his dog on gorilla arms. I faced Brandon Browner. Uh, you know R- R- Richard Sherman. These guys they disrupt you, right? And when you have a front seven like the Cowboys have been able to establish now, 
like I've been mentioning on, on the show as of late, they don't have to cover that long, right? So if I get a lanky guy who comes up there, he can get his hands on me and disrupt me for even half a second, that is all you need. Because now that half a second eats up five yards that he would have been down the field, right? So you get these lanky guys in there and you get their hands, you can stop somebody at the line of scrimmage or at least disrupt them. Now all of a sudden you let those front seven dogs go crazy and you don't have to cover for them, right? And that's one of the things, I don't mean to snitch on you, Sherm, but that's one of the reasons why he's been so good for so long, right? He gets on it, he puts his hands on you, and guess what? He gets back and by, by the time that you get into your route, you got a cover sack. How about that? Yeah. Just taking shots at Richard Sherman out there. Just right away. <laughs> shots fired, right? But, hey, I, I'll say it to you. Say it like this, Isaiah. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is, is phone booth ready, right? Yeah. This guy can play in close proximity. Uh, he's, he's such an instinctive guy. Uh, and watching him, man, and just seeing the way that he has that, you know, for a DB, he has a natural clock in his head where if you yeah. see a receiver go past 15 yards and you don't take that jab step, he knows you're already going. Uh, you're going long. He does really good things as far as anticipating. But one of the great things that I see from him on film is his ability to keep that right hand or his insider's outside hand, excuse me, always tapping on that receiver's wrist. I, I mean, receivers hate that because it throws off your running motion, but he's always staying in your hip pocket. And on those, you know, those hot routes, he's always taking his, his outside hip to your inside hip and breaking up that slant. So he's the kind of he's the kind of DB that can make plays for us. And it's a 50-50 ball with Trayvon Diggs once it's in the air. Oh, man, he was another guy at 51 that I was really shocked that he fell to us because, as Rob said, this guy had a first-round grade on him, and everybody did not – no one – well, no one expected him uh, to drop to the second round. Uh, and we got him, man. I'm so happy uh, to have him. But I'm more excited to talk about the next guy. Can we talk yeah, about we, Neville Gallimore, man? Yeah, we'll but, talk but, about but, Neville, and I'll start but, with you. But before that, I, I do want to say is you look at Trayvon Diggs and kind of the resume he put up at Alabama. He was the highest-rated – corner in press coverage according to pro football focus in 2019 he's a converted wide receiver and he uses that and going off of what heckma was just saying keeping that right arm and that hip locked in with a receiver i think that yeah. comes from being a wide receiver previously before he converted to being a lengthy corner he might get beat by a step or two but he's never going to let go of that wide receiver and he uses the length to his advantage plus one underrated part of this draft pick he returns kicks, and he can return kicks, and he has in the past. Right and that's on. something that you could potentially look at if you didn't want to throw CeeDee Lamb as your kick returner, which I still think would be a ton of fun. Now, let's go to Neville hey, Gallimore. Heckma, well, you want to talk Rob, about Rob. your defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Go for it. Here, Here's your floor. <laughs> go for it. Oh, man, big and nasty. I love it. I mean, when we you, you guys were at the Senior Bowl, Kyle, you talked about Neville Gallimore being a guy that was a dog uh, there and just seeing his practices and dominating guys. That's exactly what we need here in Dallas. We need those big, nasty guys up front. And you now, I mean, it pushes everything. You guys talked about the competition that's going to happen in two days with Poe, uh, Gallimore, Woods, Hill. I mean, this is going to be a very competitive group that when you get this, those those starting 11, the guys that are going to come behind them that's going to that are come in, they'll be just as amped and just as motivated to complete the assignment as those guys. I can't wait because now what it does is it makes it for us at, at the cornerback position, 
Now, with the edge rush position, also with our D linemen, we have guys that can spell other guys, so we're always going to be fresh on defense. I'm excited. I'm just – Gallimore is a guy that I'm really excited about. And the traps on this guy, man. Did you see that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Was he – I mean, he had met a shrug he didn't like. I don't – this guy can win. I don't know contests in any city, man. <laughs> You say he got that he got that tequila spikes, huh? Don't tell you see that. You see that, man? What is up with that? Hey, heck, man, I'm in total agreement with you. I, I, I can tell you, competition is absolutely everything. And, you know, obviously we brought in some veterans in, in, in that, at that interior D-lineman position. But when you have some young some young guns that are hungry and they have that crazy drive and that tenacious, that nastiness to this, like, like this man has, it, 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 takes the, it elevates everybody's gameplay, right? Because in this league, it's supposed to be best players, best players on the field. Right, so if you have these veterans that are in there and these guys are getting paid a lot of money and they're they're comfortable in their position, but you got this young dog that wants to eat, right? Now guess what you have to do? Ah, I gotta get out of the rocking chair and I gotta get on this field. I gotta put this work in again, right? I gotta remember who I was as a young buck because this guy is driving me and making me better. And guess what? I'm gonna respect that. And by respecting that, now I'm gonna be more off to teach this young man how to get to where I'm at, right? So I think that this interior D lineman touching on hex point in terms of these guys being able to rotate through on the, some of the better teams that I've been on, we've we've had that. Right. Uh, when yeah. I was here in Dallas, you know, you guys touched on Spears and Rat and Hatch and all those guys. Our D line was stupid. Right. It didn't yeah. matter who was in the game. You knew that you're going to have a problem. Right. When I was in New York and we won a Super Bowl, we had a whole plethora of defensive linemen. It, yeah. You hated it. Right. As an offensive <laughs> lineman, you never get a break. And people forget that. Right. D linemen get D linemen get the substitute. Right, so to Hex point, we're always fresh. As an offensive lineman, if you're on the field for a 12, 13 play drive, you've been on the play for 12, 13 plays. Right, you don't get to come out the game. So guess what? You're, you're every play. You're getting worse and worse because you're getting more fatigued. Your muscular fatigue. You guys are getting, you know, uh, cardiovascular more fatigued. More fatigued. So when you bring in these dogs that are, they're coming. They're just ready to eat. Whoo! You have a problem that's on your hands. That's what we got. He's absolutely right, Isaiah. You're absolutely right. Competition, everything. He's listed at 300 pounds, but, man, he looks and plays bigger than that. I mean, he yes. is a powerful defensive lineman, kind of what they're looking for with yes. Poe and McCoy and those guys. Um, I just love the value. I, I, when the Cowboys got yeah. to round two on Friday, they had a, a short list of guys that were the top remaining guys, and, and Trayvon Diggs was one, and Gallimore was one, too. And to get him however many picks later, 82, the 82nd overall pick, that is yes. – Right, right there. That's a home run draft. Like that's a home run draft right there. When you factor in their other two picks, and we're going to get into what they did after that. But those three right there to get that type of value is big, just huge. Well, and you also mentioned how he plays bigger than he looks, or even bigger than what he's listed at. And then he goes out and he runs a four seven nine forty yard dash at the combine, and he shows <laughs> off the lateral ability on film. I, I think it's it's perfect. It's exactly what Mike Nolan wants to work with. It's the kind of versatile lineman that is going to, to help push that forward. And I loved Isaiah's point on the competition because one of the first phone calls that Neville Gallimore got and received after he had been selected by the Cowboys, Gerald McCoy, uh, also an Oklahoma alum, but Gerald McCoy reached out to him and had a conversation with Gallimore saying, hey, let's get to work. Let's do some uh, do some damage with that defensive line. And, and I like that a lot. Now, Something else I like a lot, and I do have to, to bring this up. Dunkin' Donuts are doing some incredible things right now. One, they dropped off donuts for everybody on the show again here on Talking Cowboys. But also, oh, <laughs> Dunkin' 
will donate $1 to the Duncan Joy in Childhood Foundation's COVID-19 relief fund for every gift card purchased at DuncanCoffeeBreak.com up to $100,000. Go stop by Dunkin' Donuts, get an e-gift card, and go find yourself a way to get those delivered. You can DoorDash it. You can GrubHub it. There are so many different ways to get your coffee and your morning donuts without ever leaving your home and being able to stay safe at the same time. So a special shout-out to Duncan for everything that they're doing in our communities and during this tough time. Now, when we come back, there's a new name in the quarterback room. We'll tell you about that new name as some competition starting to arise with some of the Pass throwers, whenever we come back, we'll tell you about him and the rest of the undrafted free agents when we return on Talking Cowboys. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, segment number two here on this Tuesday. And before we get into the rest of the 2020 NFL Draft, I want to remind you and tell you, actually, for the first time, have you ever dreamed of being a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader? I know Heckma has. And, and <laughs> this may be your year to make the team. For the first time ever, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders will be hosting online auditions with a simple, simple application and a video submission. This is your chance of a lifetime to pursue your dream to perform in the NFL from the convenience of your own home. Online auditions open on May 2nd, so next week at DallasCowboysCheerleaders.com. So doing it all virtual this year, much like a lot of our podcasts, and so uh, opens up plenty of opportunities to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders. And 
cool to see the auditions going virtual as well. So now, are you going to be the only one reviewing those, Kyle? Not, not that I know of. I don't think they're going to allow know me to do will. any of that. I'm just saying. We, we may. I don't know. Uh, that has not been discussed by any by any means at the moment. Now, we got some draft picks to to, con- to continue talking about here. We talked through days one and two, but day three was another great day. Like Rob mentioned in the last segment, it, it seemed like. It was a home run from the get-go. First three picks right off the bat. It didn't really matter what they did the rest of the draft. It would have been a home run anyways because of the value that they were able to select those guys at. Instead, they come out day three and do much of the same as they did days one and two. Reggie Robinson, the second, a Cleburne product, cornerback out of Tulsa. Tyler Biotish, the final pick of the fourth round after the Cowboys traded with the Philadelphia Eagles. They traded next year's fifth-round pick and then their fifth-round pick this year to go up and get the center from Wisconsin, Tyler Biotish. Bradley Anai, the defensive end out of Utah, falls all the way down to the fifth round. A lot of people had him in the third, including Dane Brugler and much of the guys on the draft show. As Bradley Anai falls to the fifth, they select him, the edge, who was the, the defensive MVP at the Senior Bowl. And then Ben DiNucci, quarterback from James Madison. He started off at Pittsburgh, went to James Madison, and actually played his last collegiate game just down the road at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, where FC Dallas plays. So he's got the the Frisco ties. They've seen him up and close in person, and then they had a slew of undrafted free agents, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But guys, kind of go through some of these picks here and there, and, and we'll start with you, Rob. Which one of the, the four picks kind of stuck out to you on day three as something that could absolutely help the Cowboys in 2020? Bradley and I, and you said it, Kyle, into the fifth round with a compensatory pick. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that's that shouldn't happen, that a guy that's a consensus All-American pass rusher at such a key position falls to you that far. And, and he told us in the conference call afterwards that he thinks it's his 40 time, which I think was 4-9-3, maybe something like that in, in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. that probably dropped him. And you guys tell me, I don't, I don't know if that, if that should be indicative of what a guy can do at, at defensive end in the NFL. I know, you know the first step is huge, fast twitch, all those things, but this is a very productive guy at Utah from a technique standpoint. He's got bend for, for a right end. Uh, from what I've seen on tape of him. And I I just think he's got a chance to be the key to the draft in in a lot of ways, just because of the fact that that the Cowboys didn't take an edge rusher early. Now, if this guy can develop into a regular contributor or a starter, then any argument about taking C.D. Lamb at 17 is is completely moot if this guy can pan out and, and be a contributor. Yeah, we could not lose in the draft, man, when Bradley and I fell to us. It was like, can it get any better once we got him? And, I mean, the production is there, Rob. When you when you see a guy that's doing it in college, you already know that all of those things are transferable. Now, the people that look at specs and say, hey, he ran a 4-9, and all this talk about his short little arms, all I see is him sacking people, you know, and grabbing it, and he's done that his whole career. And so I'm so happy to see that we got him. He's going to make the team uh, by spe- on special teams. He's going to be a contributor there. And then, again, having those other guys in that rotation – He's going to be a special player for us, man, because he definitely was special at Utah. Man, both of you guys, I love you guys because this is the guy that I'm most excited about out of anybody. I know we talked about a lot of high draft picks, but this dog right here has a motor. Right? Yes. This boy has a motor. This boy got a V12 in there, and he doesn't yes. turn it off. 
All right. He, I, I love everything about him. Yes, he ran a 497. Yes, it, it, it cost him a lot of money. He's going to need to get a different trainer or something next time around. But, yes. it, it, but he, he gets off the ball a little slow right now. That's what I'm seeing on film. Obviously, he doesn't have that top end speed. But, again, he's defensive end. Right, his defense in when he does get off the ball, his closing speed is ridiculous. Right, yes. if you guys go back and turn on YouTube, whatever it is you guys do to watch, to watch film, go back and not only number one, watch his motor, watch how he doesn't stop once the play starts. And I want you guys to watch his closing speed once he sees the opportunity that he can close in and get a play on the quarterback or running back or making anything happen in the backfield. The boy gets from point A to point B in no time flat, and that's all that really matters. That's all that matters. Then the Cowboys <laughs> just happy they didn't have to pay for it, you know. So, <laughs> right, so it's right. Definitely Hey, he reminds me a lot of Max Crosby. I'm sorry. (laughs) Going off of that, though, I mean, you're talking about the motor and you're talking about the production and you're talking about everything that makes Bradley and I good. Yes, the 40 times low. Yes, the arms are a little bit shorter than you want. And teams sometimes are afraid of short-armed, slower pass rushers. However, he's a tank and he's durable. Three straight seasons of 400-plus passing or pass rushes, rather, and he barely came off the field. I mean, he this is a guy who only had four offers coming out of high school, was just a three-star recruit, and then he goes to Utah, and uh, Rob already mentioned it. He's a consensus All-American. He's been uh, doubted his entire life, and now he's doubted again. He falls in your lap in round five. I have nothing negative to say about the selection. I thought it was perfect. It was exactly what the Cowboys needed. You Absolutely. add some of the edge rushing depth, and you still have Alden Smith and Randy Gregory that could – pop out and and hopefully get reinstated from the league and all of a sudden you've got a a surplus of right defensive end with Tyrone Crawford even thrown in the mix. You you have a ton of options with that defensive line. Before before you move on, I want everybody to take notice to the to the attitude shift of this defense. Right. Oh, going yeah. back to going back to the last few years, right? Look at what they did at the linebacker position. All those guys have high motors, right? They all have high motors, they all have positive attitudes and they're all nasty. Right, so it's it's starting that that whole that whole character that whole character of that t- of that side of the ball is changing a little bit at a time, and I think with through this draft they solidified it even more. Right, look at the guys they even got on on offense. Right, you got you got you got you got Trayvon over there now. You got Lamb on the on the, on the squad as well. All these guys have a little nasty to them, and you have yeah. to have that. And that's been, remember the old Cowboys teams that used to win and bring all the rings home. That's what they had. Right, they had nasty. talent, but but they all had a little nasty, nasty. to them. And yeah, I'm sure. liking I'm liking the picks. I'm liking the free agent acquisitions that they put because yes. all these guys that we mentioned, just think about how hard they play. Think about yeah. how hard they play, and think about what happens whenever they get either the ball in their hand or they have an opportunity to go out and make a play on somebody and tackle. Absolutely. And kind of going back off of that a little bit, Isaiah, you, you mentioned you, you just want dogs. You want some nastiness Absolutely. in these picks that you're, you're selecting. Is this something that kind of stemmed from Mike McCarthy? I know you we have talked on end and end about it leading into the draft. What kind of impact is Mike McCarthy going to have? Do you think maybe the front office kind of said, okay, scouting department and, and coaching staff, you guys yeah. get together, you work this out, and that's where the fluidity came from to have a draft as special as they did. 
Absolutely. I think, I mean, Mike McCarthy, he, he, he had a little nasty to him, right? You can tell him how he walks, right? He got a little nasty to him, right? He kind of, you know, he's, he's a prick in a, in a sword, right? And that's okay, yeah. right? That's perfectly fine, right? But look at the rest of the coaches, right? We talked about Al Harris. Al Harris was a pest at corner, right? Yes. We talk about, you know, we talk about Skip. We talk about the strength coaches, right? All these guys kind of got a little, 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 little something on their shoulder, right? That, that they want to shrub yeah. off. So I think yeah. from the top down, I think Jerry and Steven and those guys, they were able to say, hey, Go out here, do what you want to do. And McCarthy was like, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and build this engine. And you got to yeah, give a lot is... of credit to Will McClay as well at the same time. Oh, yeah, Will killed it. Yeah, Will yeah. killed But, Kyle, I was, I was just basically just wanting to make piggyback off of what you're saying. That, that whole attitude uh, and seeing the type of guys that they are drafting, they all have that edge, you know, and have that, that chip on their shoulder. And that's the, the kid from Tulsa, uh, Robertson uh, III uh, from Cleburne. Another just dog, a guy that is all effort, all heart. Guy has a high motor, uh, very aggressive. Uh, and is going to be an immediate contributor on special teams. I mean, so you look at the Cowboys and where they finished last year as far as the way that they ranked on special teams. They were at the bottom of the league. You see some of these draft picks being able to do more than one thing. They are dual players. Like you talk about Diggs being able to be a punt returner. You talk about uh, Robertson III being a gunner. All of these games, even Anai being able to contribute on kickoff return, kickoff, things like that. All of these guys are going to come in immediately with a role that can impact wins and losses. Rob, what do you think about the the addition and the double dip at the corner spot? I love the pick of Reggie Robinson because, one, if you wanted to build a corner, he would be the, the frame that you would build it with. Not only that, but he's also a playmaker. Had four interceptions last year. He's a local tie. He's got some quickness with a 4-4-40. But I also kind of want to throw in the question of you double dipped a corner – What's the plan at safety now? Oh, well, that's always the million-dollar question around here. <laughs> what, what are they going to do at What are they going to do at safety? Real quick on Robinson, you, you mentioned his stats last year, and it always jumps out to me a guy that just gets better and better in college. He was a four-year guy. He stood out at the Senior Bowl, and you mentioned his four picks, and I think his seventeen pass breakups were among the yeah. best at the FBS level. So it was a major jump in production. And so maybe he's an ascending player, and, and Heckman spoke to his special teams ability. At safety, we'll see. I mean, I referenced, you know, McCarthy saying in the post-draft press conference, they've got some corners they think could maybe shift over there. Yeah. But I think, you know, they also – maybe they're not done looking in free agency, but I think I think they feel good about HaHa Clinton Dix. I really do. I know he's on a one-year deal, but I think his experience playing for Mike McCarthy – there's probably more of a comfort level with that roster addition than there would be with yeah. others. And, and yeah. I, think, I, I think he's a guy that is probably a little more versatile than we think, and they feel pretty good about it. And, and maybe they just didn't feel pressed to have to reach and, and address it there. Which corners, if you were looking at it, Rob, which corners would you think would be more successful at the safety position if that switch would be made? Well, Robinson, I think, in particular, is a guy they mentioned that is capable of doing it uh, just yeah. because of his size um, and his frame. Gio, I think, played corner a little bit at Colorado. And I'm not yeah. saying he's going to make that switch um, because I think he's got the talent to be a cover guy, a productive cover guy in the NFL at corner. But I think you know he's done it, at least at the college level, if they were going to look at it and have a, felt like they had a, a log jam at corner. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, and those are the two that kind of stood out to me. 
Let me add this, guys. When, when they talk about moving a guy like Cheeto or maybe Robinson to safety, the thing with safeties in the NFL these days, they're playing close to this line of scrimmage just like corners. And so, uh, especially when you go to those, you know, four and five receiver sets. So, to say that a guy is going to move to the safety position really isn't saying much because it's not safety in the general terms of what you're thinking, surveying the middle of the field safety. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I think Cheeto is going to be the guy that has to make the move. If anybody, I don't think they're going to ask any of these two rookies to come in and, and change their position. Right? It's enough coming to the to the NFL and trying to trying to pick up speed that way. So I think Cheeto will be the one that has to make the move. Now him with Haha. Um, like I said, the the how these guys are, are are manipulating and forming this defense right now, they're not going to be asked to come up and fill a bunch of gaps. They're not going to have to. The gaps are filled by them big, yeah. but them big jokers up front, right? That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, you got Lee Smith and, and freaking the Wolf running side to side. They're not going to have to fill a lot of gaps. They're going to allow for those guys to sit back. They're going to let the front seven do the work. I think we're going to see a lot more double uh, two high safeties because you're not going to need to add the pressure. The pressure should be already um, administered by those guys. So I think, you know, as aggressive as, as Mike Nolan wants to be on defense, I think that he's going to let those guys do it. And by adding some of these guys like, like – well, who we have here, uh, uh, Gallimore, you know, with his 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 presence to be able to push and be have have that um, that acceleration in, on the interior D linemen, they're not going to be allowed to switch off as offensive of linemen, right? When these D linemen are running stunts and they're running crosses and TTs and all these things, these offensive of linemen like to pass it off, right, so that they don't have to move and they, they, they can work together. They're not going to be able to do that when these guys are getting no. this vertical pressure, right? And then you're going to have those three dogs behind them that are able to fill those gaps too. So. I don't think these, these safeties are going to be asked to do too much, but be just that, safeties for safeties. safety nets for the corners. Thank goodness. You, 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 <laughs> you finally get some pressure defensively, and then all of a sudden yeah. your secondary is better. It's funny how those things work in cohesion whenever you, you have it that way. Now, really quickly before we take our second break, the Cowboys did add another quarterback, Ben DiNucci, out of James Madison University. And I don't think this says anything about the Dak situation. If that's a reach that people want to take, so be it. I don't think that's even the, remotely the case. I think this says a lot about the Cooper Rush situation and exactly what they're thinking with with the backup quarterback situation. Now, there's three other names in that backup quarterback conversation with Cooper Rush. Now you've got Ben DiNucci and Clayton Thorson at the same time. So what are we think, thinking overall about the backup quarterback spot and who could potentially win that job going into this season? I love the guy's name, Ben DiNucci, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great name. It's a great quarterback it's a, name. Let's get to let's get t let's get t-shirts. Ben DiNucci, Ben the knee. I don't know, man. Let me market this for you guys, man, because I, when they took him, I mean, and that's how cra- that's how much we are craving football when the seventh round pick of your team is getting pubbed up. Uh, because look, when they when they, I saw I retweeted it, Ben DiNucci, come on, baby. You know, it's uh it's amazing that we are able to still solicit that backup position by getting a guy uh, like Ben DiNucci and like, you know, out of James Madison and a guy that I believe started his career at the University of Pittsburgh. And so there are those mm-hmm. ties between him and Mike McCarthy, another Pitt uh, guy. And so, look, I, I expect for him to be special looking at his uh, game tape uh, from James Madison. He's a running quarterback. He does have a, a pretty serviceable arm as well. But, you know, look, we don't really get a lot of opportunity to even look at our backup quarterback. 
quarterbacks, you know, um, it, it besides preseason and just those games. So it would be nice uh, to at least have that sense of mind of knowing that if anything does go wrong, we have a guy that can step in and we don't skip a beat. Yeah, I think what gives him a chance it, when you're a backup quarterback, you got to be you got to be accurate. And I think he was a 70 percent passer at James yeah. Madison. Make good decisions. And like you said, heck, he's he's mobile and he can he can buy some time as well. So he's got some tools. I mean, seventh round pick. Uh, you know, he he was kind of on that edge of being a priority free agent or seventh round pick. But he's got some traits that you look for in a quarterback. And the other thing I, I would just point out is, yes, there could be some competition there now with Cooper Rush, but with the new CBA, there are 55 spots now. So Cowboys have been going with, you know, two quarterbacks here and there, in part because they're trying to get, you know, maybe an extra offensive lineman, maybe an extra defensive lineman. Right. This young guy's got an opportunity to maybe make the team as a third quarterback if he can show enough in training camp. I think that's an interesting uh, like aspect in there, too. <laughs> Go for it, Isaiah. No, I like that point. I mean, yeah, you're bringing the CBA into this. Um, but I think, I think you know, Danucci, I think he's probably the, the most like Dak. Uh, out of anybody that's, that you can really compare him to in, in that in that um, quarterback room right now, uh, I think he's really poised. Watching his his film, he's poised. He's confident in the pocket. He has a little swag to him. Um, you know, he like you said, he is mobile. He can buy himself some time. So I like him. He's an accurate passer. I think he can work on some his, his velocity a little bit more. But aside from that, I like the kid, and I think that he's going to fit well in that QB room. Uh, uh, you know, I think Dak's still learning a lot too. I think Dak made huge strides last year with obviously John Kitna coaching him up, uh, and now he gets the opportunity to to work underneath this dude named Mike McCarthy. So I think he's pretty excited about that. Uh, so I think I think I think it's a good room, a good room that they have there. We're going to see exactly how it plays out in camp. You know, it's all about getting those reps. You know, early on in camp is when these guys need to establish themselves because yeah. at the at the, at the tail end of camp, you you get you don't you get the practice squad reps at that point. And I think with Ben DiNucci, I agree with you in the fact that he's more like that Dak than than both Cooper Rush and Clayton Thorson. And I also like how he doesn't shy away from contact, but he's built enough to do so. Yeah. He's, there's a couple of his clips on film where he's going up against the secondary either player or linebacker. I don't know what position they were playing originally whenever yeah. the collision was made, but he would lower his shoulder and he would go right into him, whether it was at the goal line or for a first down. Kind of reminded me of Dak a little bit. I'm not saying they're similar players. I'm not even putting a comp in there. But the fact that yeah, he's built that way and he's not shying away from contact and he's not a, not afraid to run at the same time kind of reminded me of that and the, the sense as well. So there's our seven selections for the Dallas Cowboys in the 2020 NFL Draft. There hasn't been a whole, lot, a whole lot of negative said about it because there's not a whole lot of negative to go to because it's one of the greatest drafts we've remembered since, Rob said, 2005 maybe. Maybe the best draft, but only time will tell whether or not this draft was as good as we think it is at the moment. However, even with all of the talent that has been added throughout the course of the draft, the Cowboys aren't done just yet. you got to get to that 55-man roster. When we come back, we're going to talk about the discussion of maybe adding another veteran to that defense, and we'll answer some of your Twitter questions when we return here on Talking Cowboys. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more, do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talking Cowboys. It's the final segment here of Talking Cowboys here on this Tuesday morning. Glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans, Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, and Isaiah stand back. And got to remind you about this season, the 60th birthday for our Dallas Cowboys, and we know that you all have birthdays out there to celebrate too, so our partners at Main Event are here to help even in these virtual times. They have a new platform called Birthday With Me. We've talked about it before here on the show, where you can go online, go to Instagram each day at 2 o'clock. They've got cakes, candles, singing of happy birthday. They've got everything that you need for your virtual party. So follow Main Event on Instagram and tune in to their live story at 2 o'clock Central Time each day to celebrate with others. I got my birthday coming up in a couple weeks, so I'm going to have to celebrate on Main Event as well. Actually, it's a week from tomorrow. That's crazy that that's coming up. But we've got... We've got some undrafted free agents to talk about here in a a couple seconds, but we're going to answer some Twitter questions. And the first question asks, what aspect did you guys all appreciate the most when it comes to the new virtual draft format, at least the one that they went by this year? What would you like to keep and what would you like to discard from the virtual draft if you have to either do it again or maybe even you could take something from it and move it along forward? I like I like how human uh, everybody was, right? I like the fact that you can see everybody in their environment, in their element. You, you see, yeah. you know, that they're not up here and you're down here. Like their kids were, you know, walking up with them and hugging them, giving them high fives. You can see the passion, yeah. right? You, you guys get to see yeah. exactly, you know, so, so much. So much of this in terms of coaches, you're away from your family, so mm-hmm. much. 
and the family is just as invested as the coaches are, right? And the management is. So when you guys had, everybody had an opportunity to see exactly how invested those family members were. You can see how excited yeah. they were when the picks came up. You can see how happy they were for their coaches or their, you know, their managers or whoever it was. So I like yeah. that aspect. Uh, the aspect I would like to get away uh, away from and do away with is the girlfriends. We can do it without the girlfriends. They had a rough week, no doubt about it. They, there was a rough week in, involved with that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, well, you know what, man? I, I want to tell you that's what Isaiah said about, you know, just humanizing people and seeing, you know, the excitement and the joy guys in their living room and with their family. Ken Law, man, I don't know if that was his uncle or who that was. It got on the floor and rolled. I mean, that's joy. That's joy that you could only get family members. I have uncles that would have embarrassed me, embarrassed me like that. And I just enjoy seeing that. Uh, I mean, but all of the other things, like, as far as like the coaches, seeing them with their families and seeing them have that opportunity in their element to enjoy this part with their families, because, man, that never happens. These guys are in war rooms, isolated yep. and in there for days uh, making these picks. And look. Because we're craving sports so much. I mean, even the guys, the third round picks got shown some love, you know, fourth round. And so I thought that was amazing. I don't know if it'll it'll continue next year when obviously praying that things return to normal with all the sports that'll be on. I just it showed how valuable the NFL product is to all of us because I don't know about you, I was glued into my television all the way through to Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, and I think one thing that you got to add to the the craziness of it all was the fact that they still had a way to get fans involved. And now, one uh, one other thing I do want to add to to Heckma's point before we get Rob's answer on this was that kid, Javon Kinlaw, the the man who fell onto the floor, that was his father and his reaction. That was his that was dad. His oh. It was his dad, <laughs> oh, okay. and it was his reaction because he was a lifelong 49ers fan. And he got drafted by what? San Francisco. So it added oh, to the element yeah. of it. And you have the fandom and the, the, the families. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Rob, what I don't know if his dad – I don't think his dad would have did that if he was at uh, Radio City <laughs> Music Hall <laughs> or in Vegas. But it was cool to see him do that, man. That was awesome. It was. You guys, you guys nailed it. I mean, I love seeing Roger Goodell in a T-shirt. I love seeing <laughs> – Yes, yes. Belichick's dog Can we talk about, can we talk about how out? slumped over he was, though, at the end of, the, uh, at the end of day one? <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I, wasn't, I was more watching the tr- uh, checking the tracker more than watching the actual broadcast. But, but you were yeah, watching I mean, on DallasCowboys.com. It's fine. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, but, yeah, I mean, seeing a guy making $40 million bucks a year, hanging out in his T-shirt in his, in his man cave, announcing picks, I mean, it was – it was almost surreal. It was just—it was cool. And like Isaiah said, it, it humanized everybody. Um, I would—I mean, I think, to, like Heckma said, I want everybody to get back to normal. Have have the first rounders have an opportunity to walk the stage and meet the commissioner and have their moment mm-hmm. on TV. I think that's—I think we all want to get get back to that. And and trying to do these virtual press conferences is not easy too because I tried <laughs> yeah. to ask Jer- I tried to ask Jerry a question in the post draft press conference and all you could hear was my baby screaming. Screaming over <laughs> over the airwaves. So if we could get back to the normal press conferences too one day, that'd be great too. 
Uh, one, the one thing I think I could do away from throughout the course of the draft was whenever they I, – I liked how they had the fans involved in the background where they had the different video feeds up there on the TV screen. I hated the Roger Goodell sitting here and trying to pump them up throughout the course yeah. of it because it was really kind of cheesy and it looked weird. It was <laughs> like, oh, cool, there's fans here, but why are you trying to do this? I don't know. Right. It, it, it wasn't for me. But uh, overall, I thought it was a great job. By the NFL, and a, a huge yeah. shout-out to all the IT departments that were involved because what? there was a ton yes. of work that went into yes, it, it both on the team side and on the league side, to even get that all taken care of without of a hit or without a hitch because there, it, it went off without a hitch, at least at the moment. That's what it seems like, and uh, that, that was impressive in itself. Now, one final question before we wrap things up. And this has to do, or this comes from Anthony Villanueva on Twitter. And he says, what are the odds that the Cowboys go after a veteran defensive end, whether it be by a trade or by free agency before camp? And he says, I think the, they are a solid vet away from being pretty decent on defense. What do you guys say? I don't, I don't think we have to. I don't, honestly, I know, I know Hex going to knock this one out the park, but I don't think that we have to go grab one now. I think we got a young gun now that's going to be able to come in and compete. Uh, but I also think that we, you know, that, that Jerry and the crew um, have two guys that they have to try to get off the suspension list, right? So I think yeah. at that point, you're rolling the dice, right? You got a 50 50 chance that you're going to have one dog on the field. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Dennis Rodman. He's going to foul you every play. They're not going to call every foul, right? So right, right, right. And, and, and he's going to have to let somebody play. And so you might not, you might not get both of those guys back, but you're going to get one of those veterans back that are absolute madmen on the, on the edge. And then you pair that up with what you've done on the interior alignment. And I think you're all set. So I think that they're going to roll the dice and hope that they get one, if not two, of the, those guys' offices mentioned, and then they got a real problem on their hands. Yeah. This is a, a situation for the Cowboys' defense. You you know that they're not satisfied yet with the personnel that they have, and so there, there are going to be a number of contingency plans in place because if you don't, you're not able to get one of those guys back from suspension. That's going to put you in a position where you have to add another piece to that, uh, whether it be through free agency here in the next couple of months or after training camp because there are going to be a number of guys that are going to be cut uh, at that point. But you know, the, the Cowboys have a really good problem on their hands, uh, whereas just three months ago or no, two weeks ago, you know, we were looking at a, de a defense that was decimated by free agency. Now you have uh, some guys that are plug and play guys, rookie guys, even those veteran guys with Poe and McCoy. So, look, you know, there's a, I, I say to answer that question, to, to answer that fan's question, yeah. We will do that, but it's all going to be contingent on guys getting in, reinstated into the league. Yeah, you guys nailed it. And typically, you know, when they would have in-person workouts and practices, OTAs and all that, which we don't know at this point, I, I would say they usually will say, hey, let's, let's see what the young guys can do. We've got an eye. We like him. I think they signed or, or have agreed to terms with like four edge rushers. So they've got some young guys, including uh, Rondell Carter's a guy that – that they really liked and could have been yeah. the pick in the seventh round. Uh, but, yeah, throw in the guys that could be reinstated to uh, Smith and, and Gregory, and you know, if they can get back into it, you, you and Tyrone Crawford gets healthy, you've got the makings of a rotation now. You really do. Yeah. And just to, to go off of that, the names that they did add, at least on the edge in terms of the defensive line, Ladarius Hamilton out of North Texas. I got my North Texas Eagles right. behind me. There you go. Oh, you call on, my, up. on my board. So. <laughs> 
but Ladarius Hamilton out of North Texas, who I really do like, uh, and I, I know I'm a little biased, and I've seen him play probably more than any of the other recruits in the country, but uh, I, I do like him. And then Rondell Carter, like uh, Rod just or Rob just mentioned. I think he could add a, a little bit of a rotation there as well. Now, to go through some of these other list of names, and these aren't confirmed yet, nothing official from the Cowboys. This is all reported. Uh, you've got guys like uh, Luther Kirk, the safety out of Illinois State, Azur Kamara, linebacker out of Kansas, who's, Kansas. who's just got a magnificent story, yeah. and we'll talk about him probably yeah. next week. Uh Francis Bernard, a linebacker out of Utah, who Heckma, I know you've at least had some interest in uh, in the in the past as well. Yeah, I love that guy. He was a running back. Uh, he came into college as a running back at BYU. Ran into some problems there, then transferred. Uh, a guy that is, you know, look, he had another one of those Utah high motor guys. And he plays uh, plays the game, plays the linebacker position the way that it's supposed to be played. Uh, free, undrafted free agent that fell into our lap. Another guy that's going to be a special teams uh, contributor. I'm really excited about him. They added a, a trio of wide receivers as well. Stephen Gidry out of Mississippi State. Aaron Parker, a long, lengthy Rhode Island product at receiver. And then Kendrick Rogers from Rob's Texas A&M Aggies. What's your quick scouting report on Rogers there, Rob? Big fan of him. Big fan of him. I mean, he almost he almost beat Clemson by himself a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Really, really talented guy. I would add one more. They did agree to terms with a safety. There is a safety in this group of 15. Yay! <laughs> Luther Kirk out of Illinois State. I think he was the MVP of the East-West Shrine game. So he was. He's got some. He's got some talent. And very he easily could have been a late round selection. And they added some depth at the tackle spot to Terrence Steele. Both of the tailbacks from TCU that were in the draft class, Darius Anderson, a.k.a. Jet Anderson. And then you've got Siwo Alanalua, the fullback from boy, TCU. That's, who's boy, you a bad man. Yeah, you knocked that Alana out. You a bad man, boy. <laughs> and then uh, tight ends, they add Charlie Tumapayal from Portland State and Sean McKeon from Michigan. So that's at least the... The, the short list of the guys that we have talked to and agreed to or terms to, or at least had reports of, signing with the Cowboys following the NFL draft. But that is going to do it here for Talking Cowboys here on this Tuesday. We'll be back next week at 11 o'clock. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe out there. Continue uh, to socially distance and, and keep everybody away from everybody just so all of this can end and we can get back to football because I'm really excited to see how this 2020 NFL draft class turns out and I think all the Cowboys fans out there would agree as well. So for Rob Phillips, for Heckma Harrison, for Isaiah Stanback, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long here for Talking Cowboys. We'll see you next Tuesday. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!